All right, guys, so this is for the sleeve in the front of your notebook. First outline. How did you get that? Did you get skipped to you? Sorry. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, guys, one more outline coming for today. Two for the price of one. I know, it's hard to believe. Sometimes life just works out that way. Yeah, this comes after, this is the second outline of the day. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. It is still possible. It costs a thousand dollars, but it is very possible. All right, guys, good morning. Sorry I'm a little frazzled today. I probably will be every time, actually. It's just the way things tend to happen in my life. If you could take a quick look at this, uh, the roster on the introduction, introductory outline. Can you tell me if your name is not there or if there's anything wrong about your name, the spelling, the grade? Yes. Mariel is auditing. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, oh, half credit. You said, Annie, you said half credit. So you were full credit. You are half. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Tell me your name. Tabitha. Tabitha. Okay. Enriquez. You're doing half, okay. Yes. Sorry about that, Sarah. Oh, sorry, man. Santiago Manriquez? Okay. Do you know what you're doing for credit? Half? Okay. Yeah, half credit means you do all the reading but half of the writing. Audit means you do whatever you want. Show up. Don't show up. It's not really like that, though, is it? You have to do what your parents want you to do. Which. All right, so this class is introducing 
the New Testament. So our subject matter is the New Testament. So does everybody have a Bible? Speaking of a New Testament? Here, actually. Josh, you need one? Okay, we will eventually get to the Bible. just want to make sure we had it. All right, so the purpose of this class is that you would know the New Testament better and that you would understand it more and that you would love it more and that you would live it more. So since it's the Bible, um, it's, it's not just you know, the history of the Civil War, which is interesting and it has lessons to teach us. But if you disregard all those lessons, you know, you're a fool, but you're not going to go to hell. But the Bible is not like that, is it? If you disregard the Bible, really bad things happen in your life. So you want to pay attention to the Bible. So this class is to help you that as you read your Bible for the rest of your lives to make better use of it, especially the New Testament. Obviously, that's the subject matter for this course. So, um, yeah, obviously, basic tips. You should read everything, do all your, do all of your work. And in this class especially, and this is in, it's set up in some ways like a college class. College classes... If you do the reading, you, that sometimes is a lot of your grade. Um, uh, and so that's true in this class as well. So if you, if you do 100% of your reading, you're basically like 80% of your way to a, an A in the class. And if you don't do your reading, it's really hard to make up for that. So that's the easiest part. So you're not gonna, there's no final exam, there's no quizzes. So if, you, if you're a little drowsy as you read, I'm not going to know that. So just read, read as well as you can and read as much as you can. That will really help you. Um, and then this is a, it's a writing class. If you're doing full credit, half credit, it's a writing class. So all the assignments are written assignments. So you're doing summary. Basically, you're doing a summary of whatever book we're studying in the New Testament at that time. You're, you're going to turn in a summary of some things with that. And so like any writing class, write good sentences, you know, Subjects and predicates and nouns and verbs and periods and commas all in the right places. And set up your paper. Um, tell me your name and the date. The date is always helpful. Um, maybe the assignment. Uh, yeah, however you want to do the um, so you'd name, date. Yeah, put my name, the teacher, and the class. And give me some kind of title. Um, you know, the Gospel of Luke Part 1, Gospel of Luke Part 2, uh, Letter to Ephesians, whatever. Uh, and then you're going to do your sections. And, and there, you've got four sections. Blah, 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 blah. But it should be that when he, if I if I hold up your paper... From this far away, you should be able to see basically this kind of shape to it, right? You've got stuff in the top left, which is name, date, title. You've got a teacher. And from this far, you should be able to tell basically what it's about. You can't, maybe you can't read the paragraphs, but you can see the sections. So in, in other words, it should look clear on the page. And I'll give you lots of comments in response if I don't see that. And then the third one here, uh, write with actual content. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically, don't try to make one fact, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. Don't try to make one fact like that stretch for three sentences. You know, Jesus is the Messiah. No, he's really, really the Messiah. He is the Messiah that was promised. Don't, don't do that kind of thing. It makes, it makes your writing really difficult for you and for me. Um, so the key there is have, have, well, well, I'll get to pre-writing in a second. But just have facts at your disposal that you can pull from as you're writing. And then, of course, buy me lots of presents. That always helps. Um, so you get the roster, class overview, class assignments. Class assignments, um, they're due the date that it's listed. So if you go to the chart on page 5 of this first outline, you see a class number, and then you see a date, and then a class topic. Carson Moo reading, New Testament reading, writing assignment. So there was nothing due today. So 
there are no assignments in the reading and the reading or the writing. But next class, September 21st, class two, we, we're going to study the first part of Luke. Um, and so where it says preface chapters one, one, two, and five for Carson Moot, you have to read those chapters by the next time. And the, for that, I'm just, I'm just trying to help you not get behind in your reading um, so you don't have to cram at the end. Carson Moot reading, and actually the harder part for this assignment is going to be reading the Gospel of Luke. It's a long gospel. So reading uh, Luke 1 through 9. You have two weeks to do it, so you know obviously that's a chapter a day, however you want to do that. But since you need to read it to do your assignment, you might not want to do a chapter a day. Anyway, you can work that out. So, But that's due for the next class, and then the writing assignment is, will cover Luke 1, 1 to 9, 50. Uh, and that's due on the 21st. You'll turn that in on the 21st. Make sense? So you don't start working on it on September 21st. You're finished working on it September 21st. Um, yeah, so our text for the class is this book, Introducing Your New Testament. Does everyone have this? Everyone who's full or half credit? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, okay, and I have Kirsten's. Um, if you could get close to someone who has a copy and turn to, well, since Luke is first, let's turn to Luke, page 36. All right, and what I'm doing here is I'm just going to give you an overview of, of these chapters. Every chapter, I think, is laid out more or less like this. So there, letter A, what is Luke about? That's where the um, authors, and there's actually three authors. I'm going to refer to this as Carson's book because he's the most prominent author, but Carson, Moo, and Nacelli are the three authors. Um, and every chapter um, on, a, on a book of the, of the Bible is going to be set up like this. So what is Luke about? That gives you an outline, kind of a detailed outline. Uh, but he works through the gospel, they work through the Gospel of Luke for one, two, three, four pages. And then you have a who wrote Luke. See that letter B, page 39? Really important because in your papers, you have to cover who wrote Luke. And that's not a one-word answer, Luke. Um, you'll see, you'll see. All right, so then where was Luke written? which I'm not going to ask about, um, but when is kind of an important question. When was Luke written? We will ask you about that. So who, got to pay attention to. Obviously, pay attention to all of it, but in terms of your writing assignment, you're going to have to pay, really pay attention to the who wrote Luke and then the when was Luke written. And then he gives you to whom, which means the audience, the original recipients. And then why was Luke written? Um, and this is picking up clues from whatever book um, the author is uh, talking about uh, clues within the book about why it was written. So for your writing assignment, you're going to have to write 200 words on who wrote Luke, when was Luke written, and why was Luke written, who and why. So pay special attention to that. But then after those introductory matters, what the authors do is they give you something that's dist a distinct question that scholars have about this book or particular issues that are raised in this book. So, for instance, when you're reading Luke, uh, and you probably know this just from your own Bible reading, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke sound very similar. You know, the flow of ideas sounds very similar, really different than John's writing. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptics because they're, they're viewing the same thing from three different angles. So that's, that's an important issue, how they compare with each other. But then when you're reading Luke, you also know that, well, this same guy wrote Acts, and we'll, we'll tell you why we believe that. Um, so what is the relationship between Luke and Acts? Obviously, that's not a question we care about when we're studying the book of Romans. But we're studying Luke. We care about that. And then I think that they have this in every chapter. What does Luke contribute to our understanding of the faith? Just this, uh, key theological ideas in the book. And then questions for review and discussion, recommended resources, which I'm sure you will not pay any attention to, but they are there. All right, so Luke is going to be a little bit interesting you're going to get a lot of mileage out of your first writing assignment because Luke uh, Part 1 Luke Part 2 obviously are written by the same person, and there are a lot of the similar questions there. Um, all right, so that's, that's these guys. So every basically the, the, whatever we read, uh, sorry, whatever writing assignment you turn in, you're going to read 
that chapter in this book and then one or two others generally. Pretty straightforward. And then the New Testament readings are from your New Testament. Good job. Um, all right, so the writing assignment. Um, sorry, let me turn on the AC here because it's warm. All right, some more details about your writing assignments. So the half credit and the full credit are, as you might guess, half, the half credit is half of the length of the full credit. So half credit, 400 words, and try to be really exact about that. You know, if you turn in 396 words or 404 words, that's fine, but don't turn in 300 words or 700 words. Your teacher will not be impressed by how long you can write or how little you can write, actually. Um, so 400 words is, um, it's, a, it's about two beefy paragraphs, something like that. Um, but you will learn how, either on Google, um, your Google Doc or in Microsoft Word, whatever you use, there's features, uh, there's a tool in there in those programs that can tell you how many words exactly it is. But really shoot for exactly 400. There'll be a lot of, a lot of assignments you write in college where you have, to, you have to give an exact word count for that assignment. So there's, four, there's two sections in the half credit. There's four sections in the full. So the half credit sections, I told you about the who, when, and why. So that's 200 words. And then the next 200 words, the rest of the assignment, if you're doing half credit, is what does the book tell us about Jesus? Now, if you're doing the Gospel of Luke, the answer is a lot. It tells us a lot about Jesus. That's actually true for all the New Testament books, but especially if you're talking about the Gospel. And so you will really, really help yourself if, all right, so the first is the who, when, why. The next thing is Jesus. Um, line there because, so these are all 200 words. A line there for half credit, full credit. Um, this OT is Old Testament, and then we get to the end, which is application. All right, so when are doing who, when, why, that's all Carson. So as you're reading the Gospel of Luke, you know, you might be smart to do that first so you have some sense of who, when, and why as you read the book. But when you get to Jesus, you'll, I think you'll really help yourself if you just get a sheet of paper and just write out uh, Jesus' Old Testament application. Um, you know, kind of space out that so that as you're reading the book of Luke or whatever the book is, you can kind of just take notes. And so if you're, if you're talking about Jesus, you know, at the very beginning, um, you know, he's born to Mary because you're reading the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he's born to Mary. He's, um, he goes to the temple at 12. And you want to put a reference here. So he's born to Mary in chapter 2, right? Luke 2. He goes to the temple. When is that? I think that's also in Luke 2. And you're going to want to get like six or eight of these Jesus facts. Just, just write them down. Sketch. Don't worry about your handwriting or anything. Um, so that when you go to write out your assignment, you have an easy thing to work from. And then Old Testament, what we mean by that is how... Does this event or this thing that is said or this prophecy, something, how does this connect to the Old Testament? Um, this, this is going to be hard at the beginning. It'll get easier as you go. Um, and this is a place where your, your Bible can really help you. So open up to Luke chapter 1. If you have one of the uh, Pew Bibles, like uh, Josh Del Real, this... You will not be helped by this exercise. But probably most of your Bibles have cross-references in them. Actually, mine doesn't. There you go. Come on, yours, Kirsten. It doesn't have mine. Ellie's does. All right, so 
Yeah, okay, so a bunch of Bibles do not have them. Study Bible, massive cross-references. Um, so these cross-references in this particular version of the ESV, and of course we're doing the ESV. So the cross-references are in the middle and at the bottom. They, do, they go down the middle of the page until they run out of room, and then they stick them on the bottom. And so the way those cross-references help you is, you know, let's say you get over to uh, Mary's song, and we're, we're talking about Luke. So the angel appears to Zechariah and then Elizabeth, and then to Mary. Mary's told that she's going to uh, deliver the Messiah. She is amazed and bursts out in a song of praise. And this, all, almost all the lines from her psalm come from an Old Testament reference. And so you'll see a bunch of little letters next to uh, the, fra- the words and phrases in her song. And those, those line up to this, some kind of reference over here in the column, which tells you where in the Old Testament that idea is from. So for instance, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's her opening line of the psalm. So I see a little Y, a little Z, and a little A, and this is verse 46. So I go over to verse 46 in the column. My little Y says, for verses 46 to 53, see 1 Samuel chapter 2. So if you guys have a Bible, turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, which is in our Old Testament. And it's 2, 1 through 10. 1 Samuel chapter 2, 2, 1 through 10. It's on page 290. Only kidding. All the page numbers are different, all the Bibles. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 2. All right, so does your, does your Bible have a label there for this? Chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, which is what? Yeah, Hannah's prayer and prayed, Hannah, sorry, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. So the first line of Mary's song was, My soul magnifies the Lord. Hannah's was, My heart exalts in the Lord. And then it continues on. I'll, I'll read Hannah first. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And then I read Mary's song, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. And then she continues. The point of all that is to say your cross-references are really helpful. Um, because for, the, for this part of the, um, the writing assignment, you're trying to figure out how this New Testament reading connects to the Old Testament. So one way that it might connect is... Um, well, in this case, it would be some kind of repetition or quotation. So Mary is basically quoting Hannah. So, you know, Luke 2, 1 through 10, um, or Luke 1, 26 through 35, whatever the verses are, sorry. Uh, Luke 1 quotes from uh, 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And so that's a, that's a connection that the New Testament makes with the Old Testament. Now, if you're reading the Gospels, a lot of, a lot of times what happens is something will be described, and then the author will say, this happened to fulfill what was said in the prophet Isaiah. And that's a good tip-off, that this happened to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Um, and then your cross-references along in your Bible can help you figure out where in Isaiah it actually says that. Because uh, at the time that the Bible was written, they didn't have numbers and chapters and, and such. And so they knew you know, where to find it in the prophecy of Isaiah. Fortunately, we have uh, chapters and verses to make it even easier. Um, so, yeah, this will be tricky, but again, it's only 200 words, so you don't need a ton of material. You just need some. So when you're reading the Gospels, pay attention to prophecies. Those, are, those, those will be your easiest thing. Jesus will use the Old Testament in his teaching. Um, you know, like in, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said, You have heard it said... You shall not murder, but I say to you, blah, 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 blah. So that's Jesus teaching on the Old Testament in a deeper, in a deeper way. You know, you can, you can uh, put words to that. Make sense? Kind of? Sort of? It'll make more sense as you go. And then the last one is application. So it's basically asking yourself, how am I supposed to think differently about God or myself? Or how am I supposed to live differently? 
what am I supposed to do in response to this reading from uh, the Bible? Um, so if you're reading Luke 1 through 9, you're going to get to chapter 6, and there's a ton of commandments that Jesus is going to speak to us. That's the Sermon on the Plain. It's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew's Gospel, a little bit different. We'll cover that. But there's a lot of commandments. So, you know, what am I supposed to do with these? You're supposed to obey them. Um, so you just need, again, you just need 200 words. So, you know, uh, when you get to the Sermon on the Plain, that could be worth certainly three sentences or so um, as you get there. Um, it's, it's talking about Jesus in the Gospels. And so believing in Jesus is going to be a key response. Thinking rightly about Jesus. He's not just any other man. And so we want to see specific ways that we need to understand that. So that's the application piece. So if you're doing half credit, you've got who and why, and you've got Jesus. If you're doing full credit, you've got to add more. You've got to add the Old Testament. You've got to add the application portions. Questions? Questions? Yes, Mariana. If we're writing two papers on one book, are we allowed to reuse yes. the Yes, okay. yes. But you get a second shot at it, so make it better the second time. Anything else? Okay, that's the writing assignment. And then, um, yeah, tips. Well, let's see if they cover everything. Yeah, is that clear enough about um, facts about Jesus and then connections to the Old Testament? Is that clear enough for, at least it sounds clear enough? When you're actually doing it, you might find it's a little harder than it sounds, but that's all right. All right, pre-writing is your friend. Um, that is true in, every, in all the writing for the rest of your whole life. If you have a sheet of paper that's got good information that you can pull from, it's so much easier to write your paper. If you start with a blank sheet of paper in your Bible, it's very hard to know how to start. Uh, even if you've already done all the reading, it's very hard to know where to start. So start with a sheet of paper that's already got good information, just as you've been reading your, your New Testament. Um, yeah, and also quotes. Uh, you don't want to go to, like you get to the application section, and you know, Mr. Baker talked about Luke chapter 6, so you're just going to gonna give me a 200-word quotation from Luke chapter 6. That's not what we're looking for. Make sure, make sure your quotes are no longer than one verse. Um, and if it's quoting from uh, Carson, uh, Mu, and Nacelli, make sure it's not more than one sentence. You can quote a sentence, that's all right, but don't quote more than one sentence. Um, yeah, and then when you do quote, um, so this is your quote, blah, blah, blah. Exclamation point. Um, Carson said that on page 37. And so the first time you quote from Carson, you can, you can use the title of the book. That's fine. Um, this isn't super technical citation. Um, use his name. That's fine, too. But you got to give me something. You can't just say blah, 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 37. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, since there's only one book in the class, I can probably guess what you're talking about. But just pretend I don't know anything, all right? Um, so give me a name or the title of the book and then a comma and then page number. And that's, of course, in parentheses. And then um, sentence, parentheses, and then the, then, the, then the quotation mark. So you write your sentence, you do, you do your parentheses, and then you put your period. Don't put your period before the parentheses. I don't know why people want to do that, but everybody wants to do that. They write the sentence, they put the period, and then they put the parentheses. That's wrong. That's wrong. You need you need the quotation after the parentheses. Um, and if you if you happen to pull from a different book other than Carson Moo Morris and then or Carson Moo and the Cell, you got to give me a, a little bit more information. So an author, a title and a page number. If it's a blog or something like that, just give me the author and the title of the blog um, or an online article. But try not to, for these assignments, you shouldn't need anything other than your New Testament and, and this book introducing the New Testament. You shouldn't need to go anywhere else for your, for your material. Yeah? How do you want us to cite the Bible? Oh, just references. 
Yeah, so I did this wrong. It's not Luke 2. It's uh, Born to Mary. Two, what is that, 2, 1 through 16 maybe? I don't know. Um, goes to the temple. I'm actually, I'm actually just pretend it's, it's, uh, it's in Luke 20. Luke 2.20. So yeah, chapter and a verse when you're citing the Bible. Yes? Can you use footnotes or does it have to be in the footnotes? Footnotes are fine. Uh, yeah, so the grading for full credit, half credit. So if you read the New Testament, that's 40% of your grade. So if you read all of the New Testament, you get... You're 40% of the way to getting an, uh, a 100 in the class. And if you read all of Carson uh, Moon Nicelli, you're 30% more of the way to reading to getting a 100% in the class. So that's 70% of your grade. And then the written assignments are 30%. And that's, that's, um, that's basically connected to how long these things take. Uh, so the writing assignments won't take as long as to read the actual Bible passages. And so you're, you get less credit for doing it. So what this means is if you did all the reading and, and you did none of the writing assignments, your grade would be a 70. That's how it works when you're doing percentages. Or if you did all the Bible and all the writing, writing assignments, but you didn't do any Carson, Moon, Nacelli, you would get a 70. And if you didn't do any of the reading of the New Testament, which would be make the class almost impossible to do, but you got 100% of everything else, you would get a 60 in the class. But I'm sure none of you will do that. All right, so class schedule. This is September 7. Um, we're doing our introduction, uh, and it's class 1. Next class is class 2, and we're doing Luke 1, 1 through 9.50, so the first um, major section of Luke. We're going uh, to break Luke into two parts and then Acts into two parts. And the reason we're starting with Luke and Acts, we'll go into this in much more detail later, is because uh, Luke's, Luke 1 and 2 start with the birth of Christ, the, the book of Acts, and then, of course, it tells you the story of Jesus to his crucifixion and resurrection, and it actually finishes with the ascension. So it gives you more of the story, actually, than you get in um, uh, Matthew, Mark, or John. So we, that's why we start with Luke, and Luke has a part one and a part two. Luke wrote Luke, and he wrote Acts. And so Acts tells you the story of, okay, so Jesus ascends, pours out the Holy Spirit, and then the church, in some ways, is born in a, in a formal way at the beginning of the book of Acts. And then you get the story of the church all the way to Paul being in Rome. And so if you can get a good grasp on the history that's in Luke and Acts, you get, you get a good grasp on the entire history that's in the New Testament. So as we read about Luke, you'll be, um, sorry, as we read Paul's epistles, you'll be able to place those in, a, in the context of the book of Acts. As we read, once we read the epistles of John or Peter, you know all about them because you've read Luke and Acts. Um, and then, all that's left then at that point is Revelation, which is its own thing, which is why we give two classes to Revelation. So that's Luke and Acts will take up a lot of the fall. So, so four classes, September 21, October 5 and 19, and then November 2, that's all Luke and Acts. We will cover Matthew, Mark, and John, but since we've already immersed ourselves in the book of Luke for a while, we're just gonna, we're gonna give those each one class. Um, then, we, then we turn to the Apostle Paul, you know, we're just basically working our way in order in the New Testament. So then we turn to the Apostle Paul, get a general grasp on him from uh, Romans through Galatians, and then we dive down into a specific epistle, even more detail, which is Ephesians. Um, Ephesians is a great epistle. If you want to get an overview of um, everything, Ephesians is a great book to turn to. Um, it's, it's one of those that goes into eternity, past, eternity, future, church, salvation, marriage, uh, work, parenting, childing. Uh, all, those, all of these things are covered in the book of Ephesians. So we'll give a class to that, and then a class to the book of James because it's so very practical, and First Peter as well. Very rich, wonderful teaching. And then the last two classes, April 4 and 8, April 18, Lord willing, will be Revelation Part 1 and Part 2. Revelation is a wonderful study, so hopefully you leave with just some general guidelines, general handles on how to approach it. All right, any questions on what's coming? Uh, snow days happen, sicknesses happen. Um, 
just so you know, we're going to try to record all the classes this year. So these will be should be available by uh, audio and by you can watch the class on a Zoom uh, a Zoom call. You can watch the Zoom class. I, I don't know how you say that. I don't know what the correct terminology is, but you can watch the Zoom class. Um, so if you're sick, that you should be covered. Um, we'll, we'll enable you to get the material. All right, everybody good? All right, so let me pause here and let's get a few of you to uh, respond to this question. Not every single person because of the number. But let's just throw out uh, to you guys. So what would be, if you had to put into one or two things that you hope to get out of the class, what would be one or two things you hope to get out of this particular class? Yes? More knowledge about the Bible. Good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, straightforward desire, and Lord willing, that desire will be met. Yeah, Ariel? Connecting Old Testament stuff to New Testament stuff and really mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is, as you get older and read your Bible a lot more, if you can, if you can have a, a working sense of how the Old Testament and New Testament fit together, it is so amazingly helpful. It takes away a lot of the really hard mysteries in the Bible. Yeah. A couple others. Things you hope to get out of the class. Yeah. Uh, the study of Jesus. Yeah, study of Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just like the differences and how they wrote the books. Uh, that's a good thought. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely hit that issue a lot. Anyone else? All right, we're good. All right, so now turn to the second outline. Like I said, two for the price of one. What a bargain. And the class is already cheap. All right, so your New Testament. All right, so if you look on the spine of your Bible, what is the name of this book? Holy Bible or the Holy Bible or something, words to that effect, right? But what does the fact that there's one title to this whole thing tell you? Yeah, it's one book. Just this, all of these pages and all of these different books, we call, we call them books of the Bible, but they're books of a book, right? There's smaller books within a larger book, and this whole thing is actually one thing. It's not 66 things. It's one thing called the Bible. And then if you open up to the table of contents, yeah, I want you to go ahead and do that. And these might all be a little bit different. Um, sometimes there's a alphabetical order table of contents, but generally it's in order of appearance. So you guys have sections for your table of contents? Two broad sections maybe? Old and New Testament. Yeah, you've got the Old Testament and you've got the New Testament. So, so you have this one book, which is the Bible, but it's broken into part one and part two, the Old Testament and New Testament. So the Old Testament, the New Testament, what are those, if you, if you knew nothing about the words, um, if, you, if you knew nothing about the word testament, what would Old Testament, New Testament, what, was, what would that prompt you to think? Yeah, there's a, there's a before and there's an after, there's a first and a second, there's an older and a newer. Um, at the very least, the old comes before the new, right? If there's a new thing, that presumes there's an old thing, uh, almost always. Um, so in this case, you have an Old Testament and a New Testament. Testament's kind of a weird word. Uh, about the only time you use the word testament is, well, when you're talking about the Old Testament or the New Testament, use it there. However, in normal life, the, about the only time you use it is when someone is, is dying and, and there's a, remember what it's called? Yeah, last will and testament, 
There's a last will and testament, which is your, uh, I leave behind all my guitars to my sons, you know, or whatever. Uh, so whatever it's, whatever it's going to be, whatever the thing is of value that you're trying to, to leave for the people that you love. Um, so that's your last will and testament. You're going to say some things, you're going to leave, leave behind some things. But that's not what's meant by this understanding of testament. Testament here is actually from a Latin word testamentum, which is the word that was used to translate covenant. So the word that we translate as covenant in our Bibles, uh, the Latin Bible, the Vulgate, translated as testamentum. And so that became Old Testament and then New Testament. And so really, when it says Old Testament, you should think Old Covenant. And when it says New Testament, you should think New Covenant. So if I say New Covenant, Old Covenant, what is that telling us? I mean, obviously, same, same thing applies. There's an older and a newer. There's a first and a second. But from what you know about the Bible, Old Covenant, New Covenant, what is that telling us? Say again. Yes, that is true. But what is? But in terms of um, so all the so the first section of books, Genesis to Malachi, are all grouped together under the old covenant, and then the New Testament books, Matthew to Revelation, are all grouped together under the new covenant. What is that telling us? Yeah, there's a big change from the old to the new covenant. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. When Jesus came, he changed the covenant. He changed the covenant. So, uh, from what you guys know of the Bible and theology, what is the Old Covenant? What's another way to describe that? The law. True. Yeah. The covenant of works. Uh, sort of. Yes. It has been definitely been called that. Yes. Um, that is also true. These are all good points. <laughs> um, covenant with Moses. I was just looking for a simpler answer, actually. So the Old Covenant is a covenant with Moses. The New Covenant is a covenant with Jesus. So that can kind of make it sound like everything in the Old Testament has to do with the covenant with Moses, which isn't true, because when does the covenant with Moses happen? Which book of the Bible? Exodus is correct. <laughs> that is right. Exodus is correct, which is the second book of the Bible. And it might sound like, well, that's really early in the story, which is true, except... Genesis itself covers 2,000 years of history. So Genesis covers 2,000 years of history, and then Exodus to Malachi covers 2,000 years of history, and then Matthew to the present is 2,000 years of history. So that first book, Genesis, is a really big deal. That's why we're preaching through it this year and into the spring. Um, and, the, and the reason to bring this up is because there's several covenants that happen in the, uh, in the book of Genesis, which are really important and which have, have a very different relationship to us as Christians than the Old Covenant. So that's Old Covenant. Um, and you can basically think of the Old Covenant, it's in effect from Mount Sinai, uh, where the law is given, until uh, Jesus is crucified. So the Old Covenant is from Mount Sinai to when Jesus is crucified. Before Mount Sinai, there's not, there is no Old Covenant. But then when you get to Mount Sinai uh, with Moses and the Israelites gathered there after the Exodus, that's when the Old Covenant is given. That endures until Jesus is crucified. And then the New Covenant is inaugurated. Sort of got it? All right. Now, the, old, the New Covenant is promised in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. So in Jeremiah 31, which is in your outline, Jeremiah 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. So all the references to New Covenant in the New Testament are pointing back to this promise here. So when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. And which covenant is that? Old covenant, covenant with Moses. Right, I was just talking about it. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a setup or trick there. Um, so there's a new covenant which is not like the old covenant. Now, how it's not like the Old Covenant is a huge topic of discussion. Uh, we'll hit some of that. So back to verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those, day, day, uh, sorry, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. Where was the law written in the Old Covenant? 
tablets of stone, right? At least uh, the, dec- the Ten Commandments were written on the tablets of stone. The rest of it was written in other ways. However, it was written on a thing. It wasn't written on a heart. I mean, it was for certain people, um, but the distinctive of the covenant with Moses is that it was written on tablets. And then God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his neighbor saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. They will all know me. That's quite a statement. So everyone who is a Christian knows God. And everyone who knows God in the New Covenant is a Christian. Whereas in the Old Testament, you could be, you could be an Israelite and not know God. That's the big difference. Is you, could be a, uh, you could be a son of Abraham and not know God. I mean, Abraham had a son who didn't know, know God, Ishmael. Um, and uh, Isaac had a son, a son who did not know God, who was Esau, and a son who did, who was Jacob. So in the Old Covenant, you could be an Israelite and not know God. But in the New Covenant, if you are the people of God, you know God. So it's a real difference. They shall all know me from the least of them, the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So if you're part of the people of God under the new covenant, you know God, your sin is forgiven. You're, you're a Christian, right? You're saved. You're, 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 uh, you're forever with the Lord and will never be separated from him. But in the old covenant, not everyone who was part of the people of God knew God or had their sins forgiven. Not everyone. It wasn't true. It was a mixed people. The New Covenant is not a mixed people. All right, so now we're going to go to our New Testament table of contents. So go back to your table of contents. Kirsten, you mind grabbing that door? Or closing it all the way? All right, so from what you know of your New Testament, if you had to, if you had to put a, a first grouping of books together, which would what would be your first grouping? Gospels, we think, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Yes, those are the first four books. Those are the those are the Gospels, and there's a there's a lot of reasons why the Gospels would be first. Um, you know, as you're telling the story of Jesus and the early church, it makes sense to start with Jesus because historically that's what happened first. But it, it doesn't mean that the books were written first. The Gospels weren't the first books written. They're, they're just describing the first events that happened. And we'll, we'll cover, cover when they uh, were written here in just a second. But yeah, that's the first grouping. And then you have the book of Acts which describes the early church, and it describes all the people that are mentioned in all the rest of the New Testament. Um, So after Acts, what would be your next logical grouping if you're going to make up your own version of the Bible? All right, so we have a vote for the letters that Paul wrote, which are from where to where? What do you guys think? Is that a reasonable grouping? Yes. I think there's some agreement there that that's a reasonable grouping. Yeah, so we'll say yes. That's, that's a reasonable grouping. So those are the letters to, sorry, by Paul to various people. And he didn't write himself all those letters. Uh, we'll cover about authorship later. But um, co-authors were, were part of how letters were written at that time. So Romans to Philemon, that's... Those are the 13 letters uh, by the Apostle Paul. Um, And they generally go from longest to shortest and from groups of people first to individuals later. So Romans is to a group, and it's the longest one, so it's first. And then 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are written to groups of people, and they're the shortest of the group's epistles. But then 1st Timothy is the longest of those that that are written to an individual. So first and, first and second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon are written to individuals, and they go from longest to shortest. And then we get to Hebrews. And the grouping after this gets a little, it's a little less obvious, but Hebrews to Jude are called the general epistles because they're written to the church in general. So when uh, Peter wrote his book, 
he didn't write to a single church. Uh, like um, Philippians is written to the church in Philippi. So when First Peter wrote it, when Peter wrote his book of First Peter, um, he wrote it to the church at large. And so these are these are called the general epistles because they're they're by individuals, but they're all, but they're written to the church in general. Um, and those are those are also longest to shortest. So Hebrews to Jude. What's distinctive, you know, for for no extra credit, but just for the sheer pleasure of knowing it. What what do James and Jude have in common? What what, what distinctive do they have in common that? Sets them apart from all the other people in the New Testament. Any guesses? They're brothers. Uh, well, that's good. They are brothers with each other, which is that's something. What? Brothers of Jesus. But they're half brothers of Jesus, which is really distinctive. Yeah. So they have. So Mary is their mother. Joseph, not their father. At least that's the that's the history um, assumed. Um. Yeah, so they are um, distinct in that way. And then you get to the book of Revelation, which is distinct as apocalyptic literature. Uh, the word apocalyptic has to do with um, it's something that's revealed by God. It's dramatic. It's symbolic. It's basically like Lord of the Rings, except it's true. You know, that's, that's what you get in, the Reve- in Revelation. And so we, we will get to that. All right, so all right, so we're going to finish here with how we got our New Testament. So this is a we're going to blast through this. The New Testament did not just drop out of the sky. You didn't go to the first century Barnes and Noble and this and you know there was a hey brand new bestseller. There's this book called the New Testament written by this guy. We we don't we don't know who it is, but or whatever. Um, there was a process by which we get. Uh, the New Testament, or uh, the canon, the canon of the New Testament, it's sometimes called. And the first step, uh, I'm on page two of my notes. So the first step is Jesus. So Jesus is born, lives uh, a miraculous, sinless life. He teaches, he gathers a following, um, and especially he gathers the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. Uh, A lot of times they're simply called the 12 um, and there's more followers than just the 12. Um, there are hundreds of followers, actually, that Jesus um, um, motivates to follow him. But Jesus is the first step in getting a New Testament. So he, he actually does the things that are described, and he says the things that are attributed to him in the New Testament. And then he dies. He's, um, he dies, he's raised, and then he's, he ascends to heaven, so he's no longer with us. At that point... There's no New Testament. There's nothing written down, at least nothing that we have any record of. And it's possible that there was there were some things being written about Jesus at that time, but nothing that's preserved for us. All right, so then Jesus ascends, pours out the Holy Spirit, um, and then the church begins to proclaim all that they know about Jesus. So we're in step two now, and the key thing here is that there are there are a lot of people who knew about Jesus and had experienced the ministry of Jesus, had heard the teaching of Jesus, but there's only 12 who are designated official eyewitnesses. So the 12 apostles that Jesus called to himself uh, and described in Luke 6 and other places, he called 12 to himself. One of those, of course, was Judas the betrayer who had to be replaced. But when he was replaced, the 12 was intact. All right, And so... Th- What's distinct about those 12 is actually given in Acts 1, 21, and 22. So when they're going to replace Judas, that's a, that's a unique calling. Uh, it's not just a, they're not just looking for a godly and a gifted man. Those are good things, of course. They're looking for someone who had a, has, a, has a very distinct resume, in some ways unique in all the world. So here at the bottom of um, my, uh, page 2 of my notes, I have the, the quote from Acts 1, and this is, this is, the, this is Peter talking, or, or this is the early church trying to replace uh, Judas. And so this is the, the criteria. So it says, one of the men, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, 
one of these men must, come, must become with us a witness to his resurrection. All right, so what is the criteria for being one of the 12? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that passage so I can re- remember who actually said that. But while I'm doing that, what is, what is the criteria for someone, and we'll say someone over here, someone in this back quarter. What's the criteria? Yeah, the whole time starting from when? Starting from the baptism. Yeah, the baptism of Jesus. So, you know, Jesus goes down in the water, he comes up, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him, and then he begins to proclaim the kingdom of God. And it it was Peter who stood up and said that um, in Acts 1. Yeah, so beginning from the baptism of Jesus. So it's not just that he saw Jesus crucified, and it's not just that he saw Jesus raised from the dead. He saw the whole thing, the entire ministry of Jesus, all the way back to the baptism. Um, so the baptism in Mark's gospel takes place in Mark 1. In Luke's gospel, it takes place in um, Luke 4 or Luke 3. So these are, this is early, 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 early. And then the ministry of Jesus lasts, you know, three, three-ish years after that. And so what they're being, so their resume is unique. And then what they're being asked to do is also distinct. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways you can be, a minister of the gospel or do ministry in the church, all wonderful and great. But these men, what is it, what is the task that they're being commissioned to do? So it's in the text. What it, what in this task? What does it say that they're being asked to do? Yeah, being a witness to to his resurrection. Right. That's kind of interesting because. They were there the whole time during all of his all of his teaching. So you know when the Sermon on the Mount was taught, they were there. They were they they heard the the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Um, all these wonderful saw these miracles. Jesus walking in water, feeding five thousand. They do they do have that background. However, what's being asked to them specifically is that they're going to be a witness to his resurrection. You know, it's it's being a witness to the resurrection which changes how we think and feel about everything else Jesus did. If there's no resurrected Jesus, then we're not in this room having this conversation. Uh, it's, it's the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, and there are all these eyewitnesses to it that changes how we feel about all of his miracles and teachings. Um, so they're going to proclaim his miracles, proclaim his teachings, but especially they're going to pro- proclaim him as the resurrected Christ. And they're going to proclaim it um, Orally, right? They're going to go preach, teach, explain, talk to people, have conversations. And they're going to go over and, and, and tell and retell and retell and retell and retell all the things they know about Jesus. But it's all an oral situation. So then you get to step three. And these, all these oral um, teachings and records and ideas and, um, and history is going to start to be written down. And so, when, so then we get to these writing phase, and this is individual documents. So for reference, Jesus is born in 5 BC, kind of weird, but he was. Um, they took a guess at when he was, when he was born, and they were off by five years. So, and that's dated by the death of Herod the Great. His crucifixion occurs in AD 33. So you, basically he's a 38-year-old man when, he, when he's uh, crucified and then uh, raised from the dead. Um, and so most of the key authors or the key authors behind New Testament books, they're there for, 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 you know, like that 30 to 33 time stretch, the last three years of Jesus's life. Probably a lot of them would have known him before his ministry, just in living life uh, in Galilee. Um, obviously his brothers would have known that his mother, Mary, um, there would have been a lot of eyewitnesses, you know, to those who could testify about all of his early life. Um, but the first documents to be written are James and Galatians. So in the late 40s, uh, so if Jesus dies in 33, raised from the dead, Pentecost is in 33. So about 15 years later, the first New Testament documents are being written. Um, and that happens right before the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15. And then you get the Gospel of Mark probably in the 50s. Could be, it could be 60s, but probably the 50s. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is the first Gospel written. And then in the 50s, that's when you get a lot of, of Paul's letters that are written. So that's 
Acts 13 to 21 in those chapters of the book of Acts. Well, it's during those chapters that he writes, uh, well, actually Galatians can fit there too. It's in Acts 14. But um, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, those are all written during those chapters of Acts, during the history that's described there. And then you get the, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke after the Gospel of Mark. And those seem to be written in the, in the 60s. So Luke writes Luke, we've said, and he writes Acts. Luke Acts is basically written during the two-year imprisonment at the end of the book of Acts. You know, if you get to the end of Acts and Paul is in a Roman prison, why does Luke end his story there? Because that's when he wrote it. You know, that's the most obvious, obvious reason that he wrote um, about when he wrote it is that um, for those two years that he's with Paul, um, he puts together all the, all the documents, all the notes that he has about Jesus and then the church his, history of the church. So they worked it out in, during that house arrest. And also during that two-year house arrest, Paul is going to write some of his big letters, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. After he's released from that house arrest, that Acts 28 house arrest, he's going to write 1 Timothy, Titus. He's going to get arrested again. And then he'll write 2 Timothy. And that's when he dies um, at the hand of Nero. So Paul and uh, Paul and Peter both die at the hand of Nero in about 65 or 67, somewhere in there. Um, then you get the writings of John. These are these kind of have have a wide uh, there's a, there's a, there's a wide diversity of opinion on when they're written. I'm leaning toward an earlier earlier date than I used to, um, so I think the 60s actually works pretty well. But you can date those even in, even into the 80s. Uh, the first century. So the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, uh, and then Revelation. He's a young man when he's with Jesus. You know, he's, he's basically your age when he's with Jesus. And then he lives a long, full life, uh, another 70 years, basically. And we just, don't, we just don't know exactly where in his life he writes his documents. But we'll go over that. 1st and 2nd Peter is written before Peter dies. Right? And he was, so he dies in 64 to 67, which means he wrote them before 64 to 67. So Jude, just a guess, he's writing in the 60s. Hebrews, also writing in the 60s, before the Jerusalem temple is destroyed in AD 70. All right, so these are all just individual documents. So uh, Peter, just as an example, Peter's working with Mark. Peter says, Mark, hey, let's write this down. Let's write, let's write the story of Jesus and let's get it down so we can distribute it. You know, after I die, I want, I want the record to stand about what Jesus said and did. And so they write the Gospel of Mark. Um, the Gospels are all written, not within a huge time period. You know, the 50s to, you know, within, a, say, a decade or so, perhaps. John, maybe a little bit later. Um, but, you know, in a decade or two, the Gospels are written. And what happens is these, these documents got quickly... Um, uh, combined into um, uh, short, small collections. So the Gospels became their own collection. Uh, so there were a lot of versions where you, know, you, would, you would distribute Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts. The, you know, the, epistles, uh, the epistles by the Apostle Paul are all collected. So the 13 epistles by, he wrote, they're collected into a, a, a collection, and those are distributed. And so you get these smaller collections. The general epistles is like that. Um, and so the next step is when those collections are brought together into what we call a, a New Testament, you know, something resembling our New Testament. Um, and that's, you know, in our day, it might, it might seem like a century is a long time, right? But the way ancient documents worked, so it's not that long, um, and so by the end of the second century, that's where you have something resembling very, very closely our New Testament. Um, and then it's, so in the 240s, Origen. So he's in Caesarea, and, the, and that's, close, that's not far from Jerusalem. So Origen acknowledges all 27 of the New Testament books, but he did say that James, 2 Peter, 2 and 3 John, and Jude were disputed by some in the church. And then the first list that, ha- that contains all of our 27 New Testament books is from Bishop Athanasius in AD 367. 
Um, I should I should have said here, um, and this will be the last thing I say. Um, one key step when it comes to the New Testament being identified as the New Testament um, in our Bible is that it, it was for almost all the books in the New Testament, it was instantly clear that what's what's in this book is different from what's in a lot of other books that we have. So the, the New Testament books are not the only books that the church had. They had a lot of documents, a lot of letters by people, by bishops, written to churches. But they knew that what they had in the New Testament documents was was different. They knew that it had a, a quality to it, which was not like, you know, the bishop of, uh, or, um, um, well, just not like other documents. And so we don't need to, we don't need to imagine that, you know, when they, uh, you know, like this, the list from Athanasius in AD 367. Don't imagine that there's, you know, on his shelf, he's got 150 books to choose from. And he's going to, and he's going to, I'm not really sure about which of these 150 books. I'm just going to pick these 27. It wasn't like that. Those 27 already had a life and a status that was unique for them. They were already, you know, in the, in the world, in the library of the time, they were already superstars. Nobody, you didn't, they didn't, they weren't made superstars in 367. Um, so all of, all the church did was just package it together, but they, but they didn't give it this inspirational quality. It already had that because it was it was God breathed, breathed out by God. All right, I'll stop there because of time. All right, so next time we're doing Luke one through nine. Your writing assignment is due. You'll be helped if you keep up with introducing the New Testament, and if you have a minute. We'd love your help to uh, rebuild the room for Sunday morning. Thank you. Thanks, guys.